Welcome to Between the Stitches, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Two former college teammates talking about what they know best, baseball. Let's go! episode 30 between the stitches welcome back everybody hopefully you guys are ready for a great episode because we have a great episode for you on this amazing wonderful electric eccentric march 22nd 2023 we're about a week out guys we're about a week out eight Days until opening day for Major League Baseball. Could not be more excited about it, especially on a show like this one, Between the Stitches of Baseball Only Show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Let's get straight into it. So obviously we don't have any actual Major League Baseball to be played or to talk about besides spring training stuff. We have some injuries that are unfortunate. We have... I guess a couple free agency signings that we probably won't be spending too much time talking about. Um, and then, of course, we have the biggest one of them all, which is the World Baseball Classic in Major League Baseball. Okay? Wow. Wow, 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 wow. <clears throat> I can't believe it. I can't believe what had got, what has gone on in the world of baseball in the last... Two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want to talk about. The biggest one of them all is Japan beating the United States in the World Baseball Classic Championship game. Japan wins 3-2. to two. Otani strikes out Mike Trout to end the game. Teammates facing off. Electricity all the way around. Scripted moment. Scripted meaning like you couldn't have wrote a better ending if you wanted to. But listen, ultimately, here's what it boils down to. All right? And... Let me make sure I, I I get this correct, okay? So I don't want to I don't want to mess with anybody. Uh... Can't find it. Don't know where it is. Doesn't matter. No, nah, it does matter. Let me find it. And I know this is a bit of a slow start to the episode, so I apologize. Here we go. <coughs> Approximately, approximately 97.4% of TVs in Japan were tuned in for the World Baseball Classic Championship game. 97% of every single TV set in the entire country of Japan was tuned in to watch the World Baseball Classic Championship game, Japan versus USA. The World Baseball Classic broke every previous record held by the previous World Baseball Classic tournaments in attendance, in viewership, and uh, 
I don't know. I think uh, merchandise, things of that nature. The World Baseball Classic is an excellent product. And I'll tell you why it's an excellent product. And it's a message. I'll say it this way. This is a direct message to the commissioner's office of Major League Baseball and any executive in the league that's in charge of wellness for the sport of baseball itself. If you guys aren't sitting down in front of a TV screen, in a conference room, taking notes, diligent minute-by-minute notes on everything that went on in the World Baseball Classic Tournament, and specifically how the players themselves chose to go about their business and at which points throughout the games themselves was there a huge spike in things like social media activity or video views or things of that nature in big moments, right? Of course you have the big ones, the actual in-game situations and plays like a Trey Turner Grand Slam or a go-ahead hit or things of that nature. But for as many actual in-game highlights there were, real-time highlights of the situation unfolding as it did on the broadcast, there were just as many alternative videos of different camera angles, things happening in slow motion, and even one step further, the reaction and the human element of the players themselves. That human element and that human interest is what spiked the viewership and the overall interest of the tournament this year. So if these MLB executives aren't sitting down in a conference room taking notes on bat flips, on entire teams greeting players at home plate after they hit a big home run in a big game, players celebrating when they make a good play or they shrek a guy out, or Randy or Rosarena catching uh, Randy or Rosarena robbing a home run and standing at the wall with the ball in his glove for like 30 seconds, it's absolutely electric. It's incredibly entertaining, it's funny, it's cool, and it doesn't hurt anybody's feelings. And the league has to take notes on all this different stuff that unfolded and take it one step further and send a memo out to the entire league. Major League Baseball front office has to send a memo to the entirety of all 30 major league teams and say, hey, we had a group of people get together. The, uh, the what would you call it? Um, the baseball interest committee. Let's let's do it like this. We assembled a group of people, unbiased and unaffiliated, that were qualified enough and knew enough about the game of baseball. The baseball interest committee, who watched all the world baseball classes. Uh, they sat down and watched every ter- every game from the entire World Baseball Classic tournament, and they determined and they decided based on research and data and social media activity and timestamps and everything else that moving forward they will be the direct judge of whether or not a team acts out of character and uh, decides to put other players in harm's way. And what I mean by that is. In a regular season Major League Baseball game, if you were to see a guy rob a home run like Randy or Rosarena did in the tournament and then stand at the wall for 20 seconds and not throw the ball in, more than likely, 
that other team in a regular season Major League Baseball game would drill him with the next pitch they threw to him. And that's soft. That's also putting a guy in harm's way. Because the celebrations that these guys did during the World Baseball Classic, the entire team meeting a guy at home plate after he hits a big home run, bat flipping, chest pumping, screaming, whatever you want to call it, whatever you guys saw, that is what makes baseball fun and entertaining. And to take it one step further, it's also not hurting anybody's little feelings. Oh my gosh, you bat flipped? I can't let that happen. I'm going to throw at you. I'm going to throw a baseball at you as hard as I can. You hurt my feelings. You embarrass me. You embarrassed me. I, I am so embarrassed in front of all these people that are watching that you showed me up and you flipped your bat in the air. That's so disrespectful. Remind you of anybody? Oh, I don't know. Half the league in Major League Baseball. Some of the most uh, prominent players in the league. Madison Bumgarner. Uh, other, you know, there's a lot of other guys, right? But that's the first guy that comes to mind. Madison Bumgarner. First guy that pops into my head. You better run hard out of the box. You better not bat flip. That's mean. Or, or, how about this? World Baseball Classic had record numbers in attendance, and TV viewership. Why? Because those guys would hit a ball 9,000 feet. 99-mile-an-hour fastball, inside corner. They pull their hands in, and they hit a ball to uh, the outer edges of the atmosphere. They throw their bat in the air. They pump their chest, look towards their own guys and their own dugout, and get everybody fired up because it's a big moment. It's a big tournament. Millions of people are watching, and the games mean a lot to them as they represent their country with their national pride. And guess what that leads to? Oh my gosh, more people are watching. More people like it. It's really entertaining. So, Major League Baseball needs to assemble a committee, the Baseball Interest Committee. And their only goal and their only objective is to make sure that they maximize viewership and make sure that the overall... The overall mood on Major League Baseball and the league and the product that they're putting out is good. Making sure that people are satisfied with the product. And in order to do that, they have to send out a memo to all 30 teams in the Major Leagues and say, listen, we're going to watch every game pretty diligently. We watched every World Baseball Classic game diligently. And we determined and we decided that the human element and the human interest factor of these players and the celebrations that they have, those are the things that are drawing people in the most. So we're going to allow that to happen a lot more in Major League Baseball. In fact, nobody's stopping these guys from doing it except for the fear of certain people getting their feelings hurt and retaliating. And if we find that those people are retaliating, we will watch the specific instances and gather all the context and hand down significant reprimanding. Uh, we, we will be handing out severe punishment. If we find out or we determine that people are retaliating for another guy celebrating in a situation or in a moment where we deem it's not being disrespectful, it's not being uh, overly, you know, dramatic. We will watch, we will determine based on our best judgment and, and probably based on the general consensus of social media, whether that retaliation was necessary or it, you know, 
we will basically make a general determination as a committee if the retaliation was in fact justified or not. And actually, no, I won't even say that. They, their memo will say to the teams, we will gather all information, all context, and we will determine if we feel like they, teams are retaliating against uh, specific players or specific teams for celebrating and drawing more interest to the sport. And if we determine that they're retaliating, we will be handing out severe punishments. If we think or we determine that a guy hits a home run in the third inning, he flips his bat in the air, gets his whole team fired up, the crowd goes crazy, and then the next time he comes up to hit, the first pitch he sees hits him in the back or goes behind him. Whether he's ejected from that game or not is, is irrelevant because us as a committee will sit down and determine, yeah, you know what? That was retaliation. And that is limiting the human interest factor that's drawing people back into the sport. And it's scaring guys from showing their full personality. And because of that, that pitcher is suspended 25 games. And as soon as something like that happens, all the old-fashioned way of thinking and all the guys who approach the game like Madison Bumgarner does, who sit back and say, you can't bat flip. You have to run hard out of the box. You just hit a ball 493 feet. No, you must run hard. Otherwise, you are hurting my feelings. As a big, strong, tough man, you are hurting my feelings. You cannot do that. Get that mindset out of the game get it out bat flips fist pumps chest bumping all of it get it into the game soon as soon as possible because that's almost exclusively what we got to see in the world baseball classic and everybody i mean everybody loved it everybody loved it and you know what else happened? Not only did everybody outside the game watching it love the product, but the players involved were doing it mutually on both sides. Miraculously, somehow, nobody was getting their little feelings hurt. Venezuela and Mexico, or, you know, two Hispanic or Latino countries, Venezuela and Dominican Republic, a guy would hit a home run for Venezuela, the whole team would freak out and be out of the dugout, fist pump, celebrating, meet him at home plate. Then on the other side of the ball, guy in Dominican would hit a home run, same exact thing would happen. Nobody's throwing at each other. Nobody's feelings are hurt. Because they know that's how the game's supposed to be played, with passion, with energy, and with enthusiasm. And when you have an approach or a mentality or a mindset or unwritten rules in place like Major League Baseball does, you lose the human interest, you lose the passion, you lose the energy, and that's when these guys start to look like and act like and play like it's a job and they're bored, right? I mean, you see it every day. And there's a difference between, you know, guys not running out ground balls or things like that. It's when, like, these guys are, like, just, like, so lackadaisical, no energy, so bored. I understand it's hard to maintain that level of energy. You can ask any of the guys. It's hard to, you know, maintain that over 200 days of a season. It's, it's a long year. I, I totally get it. It's tough. But you probably find them, you know, but you probably find people a little bit more interested in baseball if 
you let the human element back into the game like they did in the World Baseball Classic Tournament. Additionally, another little jab here that I'd like to throw in uh, to the World Baseball Classic whole talk and situation. I'm not entirely sure what the average game time was uh, for the games during the World Baseball Classic. I know that the, the games were longer than the spring training games that were going on simultaneously because Major League Baseball had implemented in spring training the pitch clock, which had appeared to shave off about 20, 25 minutes of game time uh, over the spectrum of an entire three-hour game. Instead of three hours and 20 minutes or three hours and 15 now it's like 250, 245, 235. And my stance on the pitch clock hasn't changed in the fact of we don't need it. It's not necessary. Um, but additionally, as I sat back and watched every game, well, let me say this. As I sat back and watched the World Baseball Classic Tournament and every game that the United States played in, along with a lot of other games between uh, teams that had a ton of major league talent, high energy, high levels of competition. At no point throughout my entire viewing process did any thoughts in my head pop up about, huh, man, well, actually, before I even get into it, because I didn't even get there, I, I'm, already, I'm already teasing towards it, but let me say this. Let me say this. In the World Baseball Classic, between the Latin American countries as well as the United States and the Latin American countries, the games that they faced off, right? And even some of the Asian countries, Japan, Chinese Taipei, the list will go on. As I sat back and watched every United States game in the World Baseball Classic, along with a lot of other games between Latin American countries, between uh, even some of the Asian countries, I was encapsulated by the levels of energy, the levels of competition, the levels of enthusiasm, the energy, everything involved. Because it was baseball being played at its purest form by players representing their countries with national pride on the line and bragging rights, as well as, of course, winning the actual tournament. The games were incredibly entertaining. People could not stop talking about how great the games were for all the reasons that just listed. And at no point during any of the games did I find myself even slightly considering or thinking about, man, you know, I just wish there was a clock to speed these guys up. Uh, because this game's just taking too long. It's just taking way too long. Ugh, man. Baseball, baseball, baseball. What are we going to do about this sport, man? Oh, man. These guys taking forever on the mound. Throw the ball. I need runs. I need pitches, points, points, runs, batters, action. Now, now. That's not baseball. And it showed right in front of our very eyes. The two differences between 
what we are probably going to see in Major League Baseball this year with the pitch clock and guys being sped up and routines being changed and the minimizing of, of energy and, and enthusiasm and celebrations and all these different things. And what we saw in the World Baseball Classic, which was an unbelievable product that everybody loved and enjoyed. And at no point did anybody, while watching the World Baseball Classic, at no point did anybody go, man, I wish there was a pitch clock to get this thing going a little bit. No. No. Memo to Major League Baseball and the commissioner's office and everybody involved with decision-making and rule changes in the sport. If you want more people to watch the games, promote, celebrate, and enhance your product by allowing the game to be played the way it was in the World Baseball Classic and eliminate, punish, and reprimand those people in your sport who approach the game with the basis of the unwritten rules and making sure that people don't get their feelings hurt and that people aren't disrespected. That old-fashioned type of thinking is gone and done. It's out the window. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares if you get your feelings hurt. Nobody cares anymore if you swing 3-0 and your team's already up 10 runs. You don't want to get your feelings hurt? You don't want to be embarrassed while you're getting blown out? Then don't get blown out. It's really simple. I didn't see one team throw out another guy during the World Baseball Classic because he bat-flipped in his previous at-bat. In fact... I saw a guy bat flip on one team, and then an inning later, when the other team hit a homer, that guy would do the same bat flip, if not more. Nobody got their feelings hurt. Why? Because that's the passion in the sport that needs to be displayed on a night-in and night-out basis. Not, let's speed the game up. That'll get more people to watch. No, it won't. No, it won't. It won't do anything. It won't do anything to the sport. In fact, it's going to take even more of that emotion and celebration and human element out of the game because everybody's going to be on a schedule and on a clock. You want more people to watch Rob Manfred? Forget about clocks and speeding it up and getting everything going and instant gratification and speed and fast and pitches and action and action. Let these guys show their, their personalities. Let these guys show emotion and let them play bottom line. Let them backflip. Let them celebrate. People love that stuff. They love it. Because now... We're going to go back to the regular pitch clock and we're going to sit back and say, yeah, this is kind of boring again. Uh, nobody's bat flipping when they do, they're going to get their feelings hurt. Um, and it's just going to, it's going to stink. That being said, guys, a couple mod a couple modifications came out uh, from the commissioner's office today about the pitch clock, and we're going to go take a look at the article written by Jeff Passett on ESPN.com. So, as we head over to the article here on ESPN.com, the article title, for those of you who are going to look and read it, we're going to read it through for the most part today in this, uh, in this coverage of this article by Jeff Passett, but the article is titled MLB making small changes to the pitch clock rules 
memo says, meaning the memo from the Major League Baseball offices sent out to the Major League teams. According to Jeff Passett, Major League Baseball is making slight changes to its new pitch clock rules, but will not alter the most significant portions of the mandate that have shaved 25 minutes off game times this spring, according to uh, a memo from the league office obtained by ESPN. The document, a fifth of what a source called clarification memo sent by the league, was distributed Wednesday after players in the Joint Competition Committee between MLB Players Association and MLB requested various changes earlier in the week. Uh, MLB, which has controlled, has control over the on-field rules, will continue to, with the parameters of the pitch clock that players have been using all spring. 15 seconds between pitches when nobody's on base and 20 seconds between pitches with runners on base. Plus, the hitter needing to be alert and in the batter's box with eight seconds seconds left on the pitch clock. Excuse me. Rob Manfred says, on one hand, we are prepared to make adjustments based on inputs. On the other hand, we want to give it a chance to see how it plays out exactly over a period of adjustment in some regular season games before we make any significant alterations. Pitch clock violations have dipped precipitously over the first month of spring training, according to a memo, dropping from two per game, basically, in the first week of spring training to one violation per game in this last week of games, in line with the reduction in the minor league testing that was done last season. The average spring training game time has fallen from three hours, one minute, to two hours, 36 minutes, minutes according to the memo. The clarification memos have addressed more obscure issues and potential for attempts to circumvent the rules. The most important piece of the memo distributed Wednesday was the league changing repeat play review rules on potential violations of the infield shift. With the possibility of teams regularly issuing challenges after outs in hopes that one of the four infielders was positioned with his feet on the outfield grass, which would negate the out and return the batter to the plate, that memo said on batted balls that only the positioning of the defense defending of the defender fielding them could be challenged. So basically what that means is Major League Baseball was worried about teams, a guy grounding out to the shortstop, and the offensive team going, yeah, hey, you know what? Actually, we're going to challenge the defensive shift violation because we think the second baseman had his feet on the outfield grass, which is technically against the shift banning rules. So we're going to challenge that the second baseman had his feet on the grass, even though he hit a ground ball to shortstop. And previously they'd look at it and go, oh, you know what? You're right. He did. Batter gets to go back to the box. There's no pitch. Now you can only challenge it if you believe that the player who actually interacted and fielded with the ball directly and primarily, he was the one who violated the rule change, in which case you can challenge it, I guess. Other issues addressed in the memo include malfunctions of the pitch comm system, which I've always asked about. I've always asked about it. I've said, what's the deal? What if the technology in the pitcher's hat or on the catcher's wrist slash shin guard or whatever the case is, the button system with the pitch comm, what if it's malfunctioning? On malfunctions of the pitch comm units that allow the pitcher and catcher to communicate electronically, players must immediately inform umpires who can grant time and stop the ticking clock. Pitchcom has become a vital tool for players since its introduction of the game last season. 
Perhaps as soon as this week, sources said, the league is expected to approve its use by pitchers who with it could call their own games. Very interesting. So basically, if the guy's pressing the button, it's not working. Catcher's like, I don't know what the fuck you're putting in my ear. I can't hear it. It's not working. Time, time. Hold on. Time, time, time. Blue. Pitch comes, not working. Blue goes, all right, hold on. Timer's at 15, at 15 seconds between batter, you know, between pitches with nobody on base. We're at six seconds, and the guy still doesn't know what pitch is going through. We call time here. Reset the clock. Let's get this technology stuff figured out. If it's not going to work, we're going to have to throw some finger signs down or whatever the case may be. I'm in favor of that because we got to make sure, right? Because otherwise it's just like, hey, pitch comm's not working. Pitch comm's not working. Blue, we can't three, two, and pitch clock violation. It's like, uh, come on. Come on. What do we got, right? On top of that, uh, new standards will be enforced for bat boys and bat girls whose ability to quickly retrieve equipment will help efforts to speed up the game, according to the memo. The league will evaluate the performances of bat boys and bat girls and could ask them, they could ask teams to replace the bat boys and bat girls if their performance is considered substandard. That is wild. Major League Baseball is potentially considering like evaluating bat boys and bat girls. I was a major league team and this is actually sounds like it might be a real issue according to a memo sent out by the league. I'd be holding open tryouts for bat boys and bat girls. You kidding me? Open tryouts. This is crazy. On brushback pitches and quote big swings, which either knock equipment out of a play uh, out of place or land a player splayed out on the ground. Umpires will delay the start of the clock, and if the operator, the clock operator starts it uh, early, have the ability to wave off the timer. So if a guy takes, gets buzzed up and in with the heater, falls down on his keister, and the pitcher gets the ball back, he's still sitting on his rear end. Uh, the pitch clock would start, but the umpire has the ability now to be like, all right, just turn that shit off for this pitch. Uh, this guy just got knocked down by 99 at his chin, and uh, he gets to just relax for a second. Uh, and I think that's fair. In situations where pitchers find themselves away from the mound, whether to cover first base or backup throws to home or third base in foul territory, the 30 seconds between batter clock will be delayed. Restarts when the pitcher making a play at first base uh, is back on the infield grass and one backing plays up is in fair territory. Okay, I see. So you go cover first base, get the out of first base. Clock doesn't start again until your pitcher is back on the infield grass. He goes to back up third base uh, on a base hit. As soon as he gets back in fair territory, the 30 seconds between batters will start. Leniency for catchers who end an inning on base or at bat. Umpires could turn off the two-minute, 30-second between innings clock. 30-second mark if the catcher has made a reasonable effort to abide by the timer. If it reaches that point, a catcher will be allowed to receive one warm-up pitch from the pitcher and make a throw down to second base to ensure he, too, has warmed up his arm. Placing the onus on hitters to restart the clock if they take a timeout. 
Hitters may call timeout once in an at-bat. And previously, the clock was starting from 15 or 20 when players stepped into the box and were alert, leading to pitchers potentially holding the ball for long periods of time. Under the new guidelines, a player, regardless of where he is standing, must indicate to an umpire that he is ready to resume play, at which point the umpire will tell the operator to start the clock. Here's the deal. Okay. All of these rules, all these memos, right? You have a memo coming from the league office of Major League Baseball directly, addressing things like bat boys and bat girls and how fast they get to home plate and back to collect the equipment. Uh, brushback pitches, big swings, guys falling down, equipment falling off, pitchers going to cover bases, pitchers going behind. Uh, to back up bases, catchers ending innings on base or on deck or hitting or whatever the case may be. All this stuff has to be addressed in the memo. Now we're talking about this, the catchers and the hitters restarting the clock. The hitters can call time, oh, but the pitcher only has certain amount of disengagements. And, uh, but the batter, that guy is up right now. He has to call time because he was the catcher that came up in the last inning. And so he's got to do this. Uh, but the, also uh, just before this batter though, the pitcher had to go back. Oh my God. Oh, my God. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of the pitch clock. Get rid of the pitch clock. All of this crap that now has to be addressed in memos from the league to Major League Baseball, or uh, all this crap that has to be addressed by Major League Baseball in memos sent out to teams and has to be addressed and talked about between the players and the league and all this stuff, how about all of it can be avoided if you just dump the pitch clock? If you get rid of it, we don't have to talk about any of this stuff because baseball is a sport without a clock. And when you add a clock, you add a bunch more crap to the game. When you add a clock, you add all this unnecessary gunk and garbage and crap that's taking away from what the sport is at its core. And it's an untimed game that gives each team the fair ability to score on an even level playing field. Now we have to address bat boys. And if they have an impact on the game, who, 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 who cares? Who, who Who cares about the bat boy and how fast he gets the bat from home plate? Who, who cares? The pitch clock started off as an issue, had little nuances and problems and issues. It, it started off with a major adjustment period. It has required a continual adjustment period. Now the league has to send memos to the teams addressing the different nuanced, minute, millisecond factors that would contribute to a potential pitch clock violation. 
Who cares? Get rid of the pitch clock. Focus on other parts of the sport and maybe why retention and viewership isn't as high as they'd like it to be. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. Hold on. Hear me out on this. Maybe. It's because the league doesn't market their players. Oh, wow. Oh, that's why people don't watch. Uh, people do watch, but that's why people don't know who Mike Trout is, but they know who the uh, power forward is for the New Orleans Pelicans. Right, because they know who that is because that guy gets marketed. Anyways, anyways, dump the pitch clock, man. Get rid of it. Stupid. I will continue to stand on this hill, and I will die on this hill until they decide to do something about it. Uh, that's not turning it into just continual issue for the league. So, um, the last thing we're gonna talk about, man. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a joke. Like you know, it's a joke, obviously. Um, as we head over to Twitter here, actually, what we'll do is we'll, we'll do this. Ain't no intentional walk. It ain't no strategy. Um, yeah, so we'll take a listen here. We'll see what these guys have Gibson to say. And Eckersley, then so. Uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo. If you guys don't know who that is, Mad Dog. He's got a show on MLB Network called High Heat. Somehow this guy uh, landed a job uh, hosting a show on Major League Baseball's network. Either way. Uh, Mad Dog Russo. Chris Mad Dog Russo. For those of you who don't know um, who that is, he's spent a lot of time in the sports media realm. He's been around a lot. He's basically just a... Uh, Another one of the like kind of talking heads in sports media world. And he hosts and runs a show, a premier show on a Major League Baseball network that is a daily show. High Heat with Christopher Mad Dog Russo. Also makes appearances uh, on a pretty consistent basis on ESPN and on First Take. He came out today talking to Stephen A. Smith about the World Baseball Classic and about Shohei Otani and Mike Trout's matchup to end the World Baseball Classic, this is what he had to say as we pull uh, my face down here. We're going to make this out to be an epic at bat. Really? What is Gibson and Eckersley then in the World Series in Game 1 when Gibson hobbled around the bases and hit the home run against Eckersley, Dodgers A's in 88, one of the great home runs in the history of baseball? World Series. Absolutely. Well, 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 but hold on now. Did you see the headlines today? Epic at bat. Incredible moment. What? Yeah, but why? Because they're teammates. I mean, and Trout does nothing but strike out. Trout oh struck out twice in the game. He strikes out. You know, everybody talks to me about Trout and DiMaggio. I mean, Trout strikes out 175 times a year. So, Mad Dog Russo comes out basically and says, why is this at-bat getting so much hype? Right? Why is Mike Trout-Shohei Otani matchup getting so much uh, love. And the, why are the headlines saying an at-bat for the ages? 
uh, because Mike Trout struck out and he strikes out 175 times a year, which is inaccurate, but also fine. Uh, let's see and address some of those talking points from Mad Dog Russo. Number one, at the end of the video, he says, Trout strikes out a lot anyways. He struck out a couple times in that game. He strikes out 175 times a year. And his other reference point earlier in the video about all-time epic at-bats is the Dennis Eckersley, Kirk Gibson, 1988 home run, In at which point in the game's history, there was nobody throwing 100 miles an hour. Uh, there was nobody throwing sliders at 93 miles an hour or doing anything that Shohei Otani was doing on the mound. So that's why Mike Trout strikes out so much. It's because hitting is impossible. And it's something uh, that not many people, including a lot of the talking heads in the media, would be able to do on a consistent basis, especially at a high level like Mike Trout. That's number one. Number two, why is it such a big at bat? Uh, because they're teammates. Because these two guys are number one and number two top players in the entire globe in the sport of baseball. Why is it a big at bat? Because Shohei Otani is the best baseball player in the entire world. And Mike Trout is the second best baseball player in the entire world. That's why it's a big at bat. Obviously, uh, more, uh, more likely here, uh, as is the case with a lot of sports media talking head people like Christopher Mad Dog Russo and all the other guys, they like to say stuff that's just grabby for headlines and clickbait, right? Skip Bayless, those types of guys. Uh, so that's probably what Mad Dog Russo is doing here in this circumstance. But whether he's doing it and he truly feels this way or he's just doing it for clickbait or not, the basis of this means and tells me that this guy obviously doesn't deserve to have a show uh, hosting a show on Major League Baseball Network. He doesn't have any business really being around the sport of baseball. Um, subsequently, Stephen A. Smith responded or in this debate or discussion was talking about it, and he said this to Mad Dog. It ain't no intentional walk. It ain't no strategy. It's me against you, baby. Let's get it on. Bam! Right down the middle, strike one. Bam! Right down the middle, strike two. And then ultimately, a few pitches later, an 87-mile-per-hour curve slide. I mean, come on. That's what I'm talking about. And strikes him out. And then he sits up there. He screams. He throws his hat. Throws the glove. I mean, he's going crazy. He loved it. Japan undefeated. Third time they've won the World Baseball. And so tell me why here, tell me why Stephen A. Smith, a basketball and boxing guy, is more fired up and understands and appreciates the moment more than a guy like Mad Dog Russo. Uh, it's unbelievable that this is actually unfolding. Uh, the moment itself was absolutely incredible. Uh, it was something that not many people could truly appreciate uh, if they don't have a brain but the people who do have a brain which is a lot of people uh they appreciated the moment and uh so mad dog russo number one tri trout strikes out 175 times a year that's because hitting is impossible and your only other reference point in 1988 there was nobody that even was close to physically capable uh the reference point of 1990 the the reference point of 1988 and the World Series uh, from Mad Dog Russo, the, the ignorant, uh, I won't even say that. I just did, but I won't. Uh, 
the reference point of 1988 from Mad Dog Russo is so irrelevant because the year 1988 itself didn't feature any pitchers or anybody in the game that was capable of one-tenth of what Shohei Otani is capable of doing just as a pitcher on the mound. Throwing 100, 101, 102, over and over and over, 87-mile-an-hour slider, 90-mile-an-hour splitter. Nobody did that in the major leagues. And that is a consistent appearance and a consistent thing in Major League Baseball today. That's why Mike Trout strikes out so much. That's why everybody strikes out so much. Because it's impossible to hit a baseball. That's number one. Mad Dog, the guy who should know this. Number two, uh, why is it important? Oh, because they're teammates? That's one part of it. Uh, number two is, these are the top two players in the entire world of baseball. Number two and number one. Facing off in a game, in a matchup, in a championship, with two outs in the ninth inning of a one-run game. Obviously, he's probably just doing this for clickbait. Obviously, he's just doing it to probably troll people. Uh, but if he is or isn't, it doesn't really matter because a guy like that in the stature that he has and the position he has and the influence on a network like MLB Network, he shouldn't be allowed back on the network, man. He shouldn't be allowed to host a show again, whether he's trolling or not. Get him off. Guy's got no clue. Doesn't deserve it. And this is the last thing I'll say, not even on that topic, but in this, in this, in this realm of, of um, the at-bat. Okay. I might hear, I might, you might get a little YouTube here. Yeah, there you go. So. Let's take a look here at this at bat between Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. Let's take a look here. Okay. Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, World Baseball Classic on the line. Two of the best players that have ever played the sport of baseball. Just so we're clear on that. Okay. Trout comes up to the plate. Trout comes up, gives Shohei a nice nod, and says, Here we go! Trout walks up, practice swing. Peeks out at his teammate, gives him a nod, and said, Let's do this. First career plate appearance against Shohei Otani. First career plate appearance. And actually, yeah, let's listen to the broadcast here. The best Otani, the best. so locked in, it's disgusting. First pitch. First pitch, Mike Trout taking all the way. Ball one, slider down. Ball one, slider down. Absolutely disgusting pitch, and the only reason it's called a ball and the only reason Mike Trout takes it is because he's taking all the way. Otherwise, he'd have swung and spun around like Bugs Bunny because that's a disgusting pitch. It's 88 miles an hour. That is a fastball back in 1988, but that's neither here nor there. Ball one. We waited a long time to say that. Trout and Otani. Then on 1-0 as a hitter, as a hitter, your mindset is fastball. Hunting fastball, looking fastball, seeing fastball, and getting off your A swing, your top swing, your best swing. What does Otani do? Hit it. Buck down the middle. 
100 miles an hour right down the middle. And guess what Mike Trout did? He missed it. He missed it by a mile. Unbelievable challenge pitch there. And he just threw it right by him. Is this fun or what? Looking for heroics. 1-1 one, one to Mike Trout. Otani's 1-1. One, one. Trout takes. Oh, it's 100. It's off the plate, except, wait a second. Wait a second. It's literally a cutter. This thing starts middle away and cuts off the plate at a buck. What are we doing? It is unbelievable. It's, it's 100 miles an hour cutting. Now that take, this take though, he's two and one. Two and one to Trout. Here's the pitch. Hit it. Trout swings and misses. Hit it. Oh, I dare you. I double dog dare you to hit it. I double dog dare you, Mike. I triple dog dare you, Mike. Hit There's this son of a bitch. Can't. can't do it. You just can't. It's got so much life on it. So much ride. Stays so Challenge. true. A hundred down the middle and the guy can't touch it. Uh, it's unbelievable. One of the best hitters in the world. And the guy just simply just misses the ball. He's late. 2-2 two, two to Trout here. 2-2. Two, two. He's thrown him two dick balls, but they've been 100 miles an hour. Hasn't touched them. One spitting slider and one cutter, basically, at 100 miles an hour. Mike Trout. Here's the pitch. 2-2. Two, two. Yank. 102. Otani basically sat back in his brain and said, I've thrown him two balls on a tee, but they're 100. Uh, with my riding sizzle ball. And he hasn't touched him. So I'm going to reach back for a little extra after 102. And if it's anywhere near the plate, he won't touch it. And he didn't because it was a ball. Uh, and he yanked it. So luckily for Trout, he's now extended the at-bat one more pitch and avoided what is basically the inevitable, uh, which comes next. Two and two. USA, USA. Three and two from Otani. Three and two from Otani. By the way, and I want to preface with this before we end the video or the podcast here in this case. He could throw, Otani could throw anything here. He could throw any pitch. He could throw any pitch in any location. And my personal opinion on it, I'm pretty confident that Trout wouldn't touch it. He could throw 100 down the middle, like he has twice already. He could throw a slider below the zone. And what I mean by any pitch, let me clarify, is not just like, oh, any pitch anywhere. He can't throw a fastball behind him. He's not going to swing at it, obviously, right? Uh, he could throw a slider off the outside corner. He could throw a slider below the zone. He could throw a fastball up and in, down and in, up and away, down and away. Uh, if it's anywhere near the zone on any of those types of pitches, including, by the way, also just a splitter that he has, uh, you throw a little splitter. If it's like within the bottom foot of the zone, he's going to swing and miss at it. He could throw anything. And he does. Balls it. Disgust. I mean, I mean, disgusting. Disgusting slider. Let's take a look here again at this disgusting pitch. This pitch starts. 
middle in ish ends up off the outside corner. Oh, it's also 87 miles an hour. Oh my God. That's it. That's all she wrote. Japan wins. And congratulations to the Japanese team for winning the World Baseball Classic. Trout, no reason to hang your head, brother. No reason to be dejected because what you just tried to do, which is hit off of Shohei Otani, it's impossible. Uh, that's why he's so good. And that's why, by the way, Shohei Otani is the best player in the world. Uh, it's not really that close because he does things like that on the mound as a pitcher. Things that are barely, if at all, resembled by some of the best pitchers in the sport. And then he flips on the other side of the ball, gets in the batter's box, and hits 40 homers a year uh, with a 930 OPS. Stupid, unbelievable, uncanny, cannot be matched. And uh, it's one of the best at-bats in the history of baseball, at least in my opinion. So um, that will do it for this episode of Between the Stitches. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. I tried to summarize my best uh, audibly how the at-bat was going for Trout. Um, but basically, he never had a shot in what was the greatest at-bat of all time because it looked like he had a shot, right? At least it made it competitive. So... Hopefully you guys enjoyed episode 31 of Between the Stitches, a baseball-only show, part of the Phenomenal Fan Media Group. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Catch you guys on the next one. And uh, check us out on social media, guys. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, etc. cetera. Uh, we'll have clips from the podcast on YouTube, Twitter, whatever, everything. TikTok, we got it all. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Between the Stitches. Follow Phenomenal Fan Media on social media for more. And subscribe on Patreon for exclusive content.